Hello and welcome to the In Consultation With podcast, where I talk to different people inside and out of the veterinary profession to explore the variety of careers that are available and to get more of an insight into the exciting and diverse lives of vets and other professionals. I'm Alexia Yanuli, a qualified vet. I am currently doing a master's in science communication at Imperial College London and I also work as editor of Vet Report, a new site for the veterinary profession. In these podcasts, I go in consultation with different people to discuss their careers and their interests and to show just how diverse our profession really is. For this podcast, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Dr Ebony Escalona, founder of the organisation Vets Stay Go Diversify. Now, I could go on to describe all of the fantastic things that Ebony has done so far in her career, but I think that she talks about it much better than I could and you can hear all about it in this podcast. So I met Ebony back in 2019 when I got involved with volunteering at the London Vet Show as a final year student and she really opened my eyes to the so many different possibilities that are available to us in the veterinary profession. We talk about a lot of different things in this podcast from setting up your own portfolio career to creating job opportunities and how to move forward in forging your own individual veterinary journey. I really hope you enjoy listening to our conversation as much as we enjoyed having it. Thank you so much for chatting to me for this podcast, Ebony. Absolute pleasure to be here. When I got your message, I was like, yes, I want to chat. I always love our conversations. Me too. And yeah, it's good that now everyone else can also listen to what you have to say, which is great. Um, so I just thought, obviously, I'm pretty sure everybody knows who you are already. But if we could just start by you talking a little bit about yourself and your background for anyone who might not know, although I'm sure that everyone will. Honestly, I really don't think everyone does. I think we can often live in a a bit of a social media bubble. So the ones that are there may know who I am, but there are many people who don't. And why why would they and why should they? Um, So I'm Dr. Ebony Escalona. Um, I'm an equine vet, an educator and an entrepreneur, I guess is a good way to summarise the things that I do. Um, I graduated 11 years ago from the awesome spiritual home of Liverpool University. Um, Thought I'd go go and be a a conservation vet or an equine vet. Um, I did some of those things, but I've had a very kind of squiggly and wonderful career across clinical practice, referral, research, charity and education. And I, a few years ago, set up a group called Vets Stay Go or Diversify um, because I was so upset with so many of my mates feeling lost, stuck, worried, unsure where they were going to go with their career. And I just thought, why? How can these incredible, talented people not see the potential that they have? They've got a science degree. It's a ticket to anywhere. Um, But my weird and wonderful career wasn't going to resonate with my pals. So I thought, why not set up a group where I can shine a spotlight on so many different career role models and vets and vet nurses and students doing weird and wonderful things so that they can actually be inspired um, about the avenues they can take Um, and also showcase the human behind the vet because we spend a lot of time being polished and perfected um, and there's a whole story and a chaotic mess that goes on behind all of us that gives us the richness of our careers and stories so I thought if I could highlight some of that no one people would feel less alone and people could create connections and those connections could lead to wonderful things, be them right now or in five, 10 years time. I think definitely for me, um, finding VSGD and really sort of just hearing other people and also the opportunities that I've had 
from that and like from meeting you as well um yeah I can testify that I think it's an amazing thing that you set up and I think it's just so useful to everyone in the profession and um, whether they've decided to leave or you know I mean I guess you're always still part of it um and yeah I think as well sort of your inspiration behind that is again really important um so how did you actually decide okay right I want to set this up and, and how did you go about that I was drunk <laughs> it, was a February, it was a February night I think it was the 9th of February and I'd had a glass of red wine I just got off the phone to a friend of mine who was just really not happy and unfortunately that friend is is not no longer here um and that friend was one of my inspirations for this group and she lost her battle with, with cancer unfortunately so I'm not saying that to bring down the tone of this conversation I'm actually saying that as a wonderful message that you know this is not a dress rehearsal people like if you are not happy you know you are not a tree you can move um but also there's so much you can do in your own field uh, and you can nurture prune and fertilize your own field and make it green because I tell you what the grass is not always greener I think we'll probably come on to that later so I set it up because I and I was just looking online thinking there must be something out here like this and there, there wasn't so I thought because I, I think that's one thing don't set stuff up if there's already stuff out there go and help that community there wasn't anything out there so I thought right let's let's press play on this um and I had a couple of people I wanted to interview because that's what we started with just kind of live career interviews and I remember Caroline Crow being the first one I didn't really know her but I knew she'd done quite a lot to help friends of mine using her coaching skills and also just using her career story from equine vet to, to coach um and yeah we kind of pressed play on that and it, and it spiraled from from there so I didn't have a grand plan. I hadn't got a perfect strategy. I pressed go on something because in my gut, I knew it was the right thing to do. And I was going to figure out the rest of it, you know, as I went with other people. Um, so I think, yeah, if, if something is, is really important to you, have a look and see what's out there and join forces or, or start it. Because if there's a gap there that, that needs filling, um, I think the SGD did that because it's now in just under four years. 15,000 global members so I think I think I I must have tapped into something that other people also feel definitely and I think it's amazing that it's grown so much in in such a space of time as well um and I think as well it just takes like one person doesn't it to to just have one idea and then you know maybe planning isn't always the way forward I think sometimes things do just happen how they're supposed to um yeah. and like Jump I said off the cliff and make and build your wings <laughs> on the way down I like that saying yeah that is a really nice saying <laughs> I'll, I'll take that I'll take that on board <laughs> so you have set yourself a portfolio career um you are doing so many different things and honestly I'm, I'm in awe of, <laughs> of all the different things that you're doing um could you start by explaining for people listening what a portfolio career is first of all yeah it's a it's a, it's a weird phrase isn't it um yeah but I suppose a portfolio career means that your your work makeup is made up of a number of different projects or jobs or roles. So you don't just sit in, in one role, you, you have a, a portfolio, you have a, a number of assets, if you like, um, that you use to, to be of service and to obviously get an income as well. So then in the simplest sense, that's what a portfolio career is. It's um, a mixed bag. And did you ever, when you were training to be a vet and when you'd qualified and things, did you ever intend to set this up for yourself like how did that sort of come about 
Oh, no, never intended on, um, on setting up any type of portfolio career whatsoever. Uh, like I said at the beginning, actually, I thought when I, I thought I'd become a zoo vet or a conservation vet. I did an integrated degree in conservation medicine, which was probably my most favourite time at vet school. Um, but my obsession with horses kind of got in the way. Um, so I thought I would probably just be, um, you know, a really happy GP equine vet, which I am as well. Um, but I think, I think the portfolio career happened because I've always been so curious about so many other things. So many of my, my friends were already so aware of the specialisms that they wanted to take. But I am, a, I am the largest curious generalist there is out there. You know, I, I, couldn't, I wanted to do it all. And obviously you can't do that all. But So I think the portfolio thing was probably going to be a natural progression, although I didn't see it at the time, just because I was so interested in, in so many various pockets of veterinary. Mm. And because my career was so varied, after a certain number of years, sort of seven years graduated, I realised I already had quite a diverse skill set. Um, from general practice to digital to charity to educational Um, and so it was quite a natural step to start to use those and one of the best ways to use a diverse skill set is to set up um, a kind of portfolio career and I do that in a freelance capacity Um, so I own a number of businesses but I also work as a freelancer and a consultant in a number of of different charities projects and and spaces Um, so it was a very slow evolution. I think it's become quite a buzzword at the moment, be like, oh, a portfolio career. But most people I know, the evolution to that wasn't an overnight decision. Mm-hmm. Mine took four years, probably, to be fully portfolio, if you like. Um, so that's how it's kind of started for me, and I had no intention there. And I suppose as well, it's kind of putting a label on something that's, I guess, labelless in a way, because you know we've got to call it something but at the same time it's just like you said a natural progression and you know it's still being a vet like that is sort of the embodiment of it um so yeah I think it's a really interesting way of of looking at it and so what would your um what would your advice be in terms of people creating opportunities for themselves you know when looking for jobs um because I think a lot of the time people can just either be waiting you know, looking for adverts or not really knowing what they want. So what would your advice be on that? I'll do this in two parts, I think. So I'll talk about mm-hmm. if people want to go and do portfolio, what they can do. And then the other flip is like, yeah, if you want to, if you don't want to wait for an advert to come, create a perfect job for yourself. So I think there's kind of two parts. So yeah, firstly, like I said this before, but I say it again, because I think it's so important to reiterate, um, your evolution of your career, be it employed or portfolio or freelance will be slow and that is okay because we are in a profession that involves craft and time um, and maturity and so I think it's really important that we live in a generation where we want things yesterday um, so I think when it comes to our career uh, the long game um, is the game to kind of honour. Um, follow your nose so you know, get very, very clear on what it is that makes you tick. So many of us do not question that. We decide to be vets or vet nurses age six, and we hold on to these ideals and expectations that I'm 37 now, they aren't the same. But how often do we check in with them and say, what do I really value? And because I value creativity and risk-taking and being fast-paced and collaborative, then 
that portfolio career lends itself very well to that environment. So just follow your nose and say yes to projects and opportunities in the beginning when they come up, because you never know where they're going to take you. Um, so, for instance, when I was at the Brook, I worked for the international um, animal welfare charity Brook Action for Working Horses and Donkeys, which was incredible. Um, and I miss working there every day. So I didn't leave because I didn't enjoy it. I loved it. But doing that job and my other projects like the SGD were not sustainable. As you can imagine, working for a big charity is all encompassing. Um, you know, you're, you've got huge amounts of, of compassion in there and, and you want to be able to do a good job. So I actually evolved from being there full-time to part-time and job share and then to doing bits and bobs so again that evolution led to me to allow me to do my own things and my own freelance projects but while I was there I built other skills I was interested in so for people thinking oh I don't want to just jump from my job and do this thing but I'm really interested in I don't know digital marketing or I'm really interested in fundraising I'm really interested in storytelling then I went and spent time working with the digital team Firstly, off my own back and volunteered. And then second, I actually got paid to do that. So I built up skills in social media, um, in communication, in science comms and stuff like that. So massive tip for people out there. Think where you are now. What can you go and do that's beyond and above your job role um, to build those skill sets? And you never know where that may lead to. Because the irony is now, four years later, I'm now working with the ex-social media head of Brooke. And we're working with WWF and Sky Ocean Heroes, supporting an amazing community to support like ocean conservation. So because I helped her that back then, she calls on me now for other projects. So I think, you know, the power of your network is so key. So that's another massive one, I would say, is really important to see what you can do in your own job and remember to kind of nurture those networks that you have um, across your kind of lifetime and try it out. If you're trying stuff out in your own job, it's not as risky, you know, it's, um, you can see, oh, I thought I'd like that and I didn't, you know, so I think that's really important. Um, I'm a massive, massive advocate of um, kind of the reverse recruitment. So if you're looking, oh, I can't find the job that I really like, you know, I can't see it anywhere, but I know clearly what I stand for. I know what I value. I know what my non-negotiables are, what my nice to haves are, my cherry on the top. And I know what I bring to a, a team Then state it somewhere and share it. VSGD was made for this and VSGD careers, another group that we have that supports kind of recruitment in a more professionalized manner. You go in there and you write down that you will have lots of people come to you saying you sound exactly what I'm looking for. And if I look at my CV, only two of the jobs I've ever done have come from formal interviews. The rest wow. have become because I've knocked on doors or I've sent in a letter or I've, I've had a coffee with someone and said, hey, I think I can help you. So look at the world around you. Look at the organizations that you'd love to work with or the people you like to work with. Have a virtual coffee with them. Get curious about their career. Ask them what keeps them up at night or what their current challenges are. And I bet you, you might be able to solve a problem for them. And that happened with myself and VDS. So VDS training, we're evolving to have another arm, so this, this training and support arm, as well as the insurance arm. And I noticed that they weren't um, as digitally savvy as they, they could be. Um, and I wanted them to be more visible and have better conversations live with the profession. So I approached them and said, I can help you with some social media and how about we do a webinar or hangout series. And that's gone from strength to strength. So again, they didn't, there was no job. I just, you know, um, approached them. 
and volunteer for stuff and get on committees for things. So, you know, the BVA have some brilliant committees and SPIVs and all your various associations. VSGD will start having some working groups soon. Come and get involved um, because those networks will bring you incredible opportunities. So, yeah, that's sorry, was a last long ramble, but know what it is you want. Go out there and see where you can help others and sell yourself. Reverse the advert and put it out there. Um, so that for me would be massive, massive um, things that I would suggest are helpful. I think that's really, really useful. Um, even for me, I, think I find that really helpful. I guess as well, like no experience is necessarily a bad experience because there's always something that you can, you can oh, gain from it. So true. My PhD was that at the time I thought it was, you know, a disaster. And looking back, so helpful. And those kind of negative, um, those kind of negative sometimes negative or perceived negative at the time experiences can end up being a pivot point and inspiration for, for changing yourself or in the place that you work. And I remember when I listened to your talk on liminality in the, um, at the Global Career Summit, I found that really useful as well, because I mean, like you said, you know, there's high points and low points and you can take something from all of that. Um, but I guess that as well, that's hindsight, isn't it? You can look back and, and think, okay, I've learned all of these skills, but at the time you're learning it, but not necessarily being aware of it. So I think that is really, um, it's really useful. Yeah. And there's Definitely. like, so important, like, oh, our career is not a linear line. It's a squiggly mess and it's great. And as long as that squiggle is on an upward trajectory, that's, that's the main thing. And as you get to know yourself, and I can't, I know I bang on about this a lot, but You've got to know what makes you tick, what keeps you in flow. And then each next decision will be better aligned with who you are as a person today. Mm. Because life is joy. It's joyful and painful in equal measure, often at the same time as are our careers. And I think if 2020 taught us anything, it's that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think having more time as well to, to really think and, you know, I think what are my values? What, what do I want in, in life in general? Um, a lot of people have I know I definitely had a lot of time to think and <laughs> I suppose there's been some advantage to having like more time to to actually do all of that um and so what do you think that the biggest challenges are currently being faced by members of the profession when they're looking for jobs I think there's a, there's a candidate side and an employer side so if you take the employer side and VSUD careers I hope is helped in this way we need transparency about what a job is. You know, if the salary is not transparent, if, you know, the person's specification and the team dynamic isn't transparent, then how do you expect the right person to apply? We have too many square pegs in round holes. So many people kind of say, oh, this practice is bad or this organization is bad. Well, likelihood is it's probably not. It's probably just fine. It's just the wrong people are working in those spaces. We all... We are all energized by different things and it's important that we align with those practices and places, you know? Mm. So for me in VSGD careers, like we want to know the salary. We want to know what the working hours and rotors are. We want to know, you know, where is the flexibility if at all, not having flexibility is not a bad thing. If you know that upfront, that's, that's fine. Some people want that structure, but if people need flexibility and you don't state that that's not an option, you know, you're going to run into issues later down the line. So one of the challenges is like, can we just be transparent about what a job is and what a job isn't? And it's okay, because the right, you don't want hundreds of people coming to your 
to your application, you want the right group of people coming so you can select them. And then hopefully they will be long serving members of your organization who are aligned with your values, who will recommend you to the hilltops and all your clients, customers and animals will thank you. Thank you for it. So that's the first thing. And that supports the gender pay gap as well, because we're very bad people at negotiating. Um, so I think that's another challenge is we are not we don't develop or think to develop that negotiating skill because that negotiation is a beautiful dance and everything is negotiable. If you don't ask, you don't get the worst thing that's going to happen is someone's going to say the word no. no like my, grandma. Yeah. <laughs> my grandma always said that shy Ben's getting out and I feel like that is yeah. an apt description. Yeah. So you need to be negotiating from your first salary, you know, and, and, it, and that first package, because that will have a huge implication what you have later on in your life, because it's a compound impact, interest, isn't it, over a lifetime. So that's from the employer part, but from the candidate part, so many of us don't know what we want. So we think the grass is greener, and we get there, and the grass is the same, you know. Um, we don't know what we want. So the biggest challenge is, is, is spending time understanding that, um, and giving your you're giving yourself as well like permission to feel and to understand those feelings around your work and around the way you want to act in the world and the types of people that you want to hang out with. We spend so much of our life working and proving on our IQ. And I realized this year I thought I had good emotional intelligence. I realized I actually don't think I do, <laughs> you know. Um, so I think one of our biggest challenges is nourishing our emotional intelligence as much as our surgery skills or our consultation skills. Um, because if we have clarity on how we feel and how we think and therefore how we behave, and we can understand and label those feelings um, and support others in that as well, we're gonna have better team dynamics, better performance, better fit in roles. Um, so for me, I think that's a huge challenge. Um, and I'm, I'm reading a book at the moment, which I urge everyone to read called Permission to Feel. And it is just fantastic. And it's so often in these professions like law and medicine and dentistry, it's like, no, just get on and you know do the job and be this kind of, this one size fits all person. And it's like, no, um, we, all have, we all have emotions. And I think it's really important that we develop those emotional skills just like the word resilience you know you're not born with it you develop it and we need to if we spend more time understanding that then we will align ourselves with the right jobs and then we will stay in those jobs and be happy in them um and then we won't feel like the profession has you know tarred us or um that it wasn't for you um because even if we leave the profession and we go somewhere else if we haven't understood what makes us tick how we communicate um understand the emotions that we feel and the influence they have on our behavior, then you're just going to take a problem around with you. And too many people are pushed from a place of discomfort because of their career and think that the next thing will be better. And it never works. You must be pulled towards a want. You must be pulled towards, towards a desire and a positive state and an abundance, not pushed from a place of scarcity where um, you're running from something I really like that as well about emotional intelligence because I feel it really isn't something that even in everyday life that we necessarily would like tap into um who's the book by the permission to feel it is by an author called um Mark let's have a look 
it's just coming up on my I'm listening to it on Audible, which is great. Professor Mark Brackett. Hmm. Okay. I'll, have to, I'll have to check it out. Did a really good podcast with Brené Brown on Unlocking Us, if you want a little teaser first to see if it's for you. But honestly, I'm reading this thinking, I wish every undergrad veterinary student, every practice owner, every boss, every vet could read this because I think we sometimes overestimate our abilities to see the world in the truth of others. And I, I really, you know, we, we put a lot of our own emotions on others and actually that's not necessarily fair. Definitely go and read that book. <laughs> I think as well, sort of the process of being at vet school and, and I guess as well, the way things are, are taught, because I guess in, in a sense, they have to be taught a little bit like that. But I think, yeah, really that side of it isn't touched upon. Um, and no. I mean, I, I already graduated last year. Well, yeah, last year, but I think that would have been so useful. Because we judge people. We judge people without even realising really, really quickly. And what I loved about this book is actually, we're all scientists, so we, we know how to think scientifically, but not many of us are emotional scientists. You know, we haven't built, tested our hypotheses and built our skills based on, you know, our emotions. And I think that's so important. So I love his analogy of like switching from like the emotional judge into the emotional scientist. And it made, it made me uncomfortable listening for me because I realised how judgmental I'd been, not only on myself, but on people around me. Um, and that would have had an impact on their careers and how they think about their place in the world you know so yeah really powerful so yeah what challenges do you think you have faced throughout your career so far so many <laughs> um and I really want to talk about them more actually because I think a lot of people kind of say to me I mean how do you do it all or like you know you have this incredible career and you know um I look up to you or and actually I'm learning to say thank you and take the compliment, but it's so far from the truth. Um, so yeah, I think it's my job to also you know, showcase that it is anything but rose, rosy and, and gold over here. Um, I've had huge challenges in, in worthiness, in boundaries, in superwoman mentality, um, in delegation. Um, and I think so many of those are also true of others. So worthiness is a huge one, you know, especially when I went out and started as a freelancer, I, I couldn't, it was, it was hard to even invoice because I didn't think I was worth it, which is, which is really difficult actually. And I think a lot of people have similar feelings, probably not as strong as that. So, you know, my mindset around money was, was so poor. Um, and so I think worthiness is, is so important. And, you know, I used to do everything. I used to feel much happier doing things for free, like VSGD and other charity stuff. But as we all know, that's not sustainable. It's not sustainable for the group and it's certainly not sustainable for my bank balance. So, so worthiness has been a huge challenge of mine um, and I'm overcoming it slowly but surely. Um, but that, that for me was, was kept me in a rut actually. And I thought, why am I not progressing in certain things? Um, well, it, no, it wasn't anyone but me holding me back um, with my mindset about what I was what I was worth and I don't just mean that in a financial sense I mean that uh in a in a more kind of um yeah in a more societal sense as well because another challenge I had and still have is kind of having this superwoman mentality so I'm only worthy based on my ability to do and be productive whereas actually I'm very worthy as a human just as a human being nothing else nothing more so a huge challenge for me was that you know superhero mentality, wanting to just do it all, do it all by myself so I could prove to myself that I was worthy, 
which is just ridiculous. Um, but I know many people suffer from that, uh, and especially a lot of women, actually. Um, yeah, so that superhero mentality, um, I am definitely trying to get rid of because it doesn't serve me and it doesn't serve my community either. Um, so that's a huge challenge, huge, huge challenge for me. Um, delegation is really difficult um, because, again, links back to that worthiness and that superwoman to actually be... Um, uh, I think I need to do it all by myself. Otherwise, you know, I'm not good enough, which is, again, complete BS. So, you know, really trying to channel those four Ds, you know, do it, ditch it, delegate it, um, defer it. Um, and I've added in a fifth D, which is really helping with this, which is duo it. So if you've got a problem, pick up the phone, call someone who you think can help you, ask for help, get it done. And that has served me so well over the pandemic. So I'm learning a lot more there. And then boundaries boundaries between work and home personal and professional wow when you're a freelancer and you are your time you are your own boss i've realized what a bad boss i've been to myself over the, to, over the time and i know that everyone in the pandemic has experienced this now because everyone's work and work and the life boundaries have been blurred by the very nature of having to work from home for many um but that's boundaries about time um about home but it's also boundaries about taking on other people's feelings i feel all the feels you know i will take on every if i if someone is having a bad day or an animal is having a bad day i will take it all on and there are boundaries that need to be placed there so i mean my challenges are are, are all of those challenges are still there at least now i recognize them and i've got little ways to, to cope but i just yeah, I want people to know that there are challenges in everyone's career and what looks great on the surface. Sure, it is great. Mike, I love every day I wake up and I go, I am so lucky to be alive and to be able to do what I do and work with the people I work with and collaborate with the people I work with. But it is also a struggle to um, challenge that mindset of mine. And I know I'm not alone in thinking that. No, you're definitely not. I think especially um, a lot of things that you've said there, even you know, I'm only really like early on in, in my career, but I still, you know, I'm already thinking a lot of those things, especially, you know, like where do you draw the balance between actually like stopping work and having time to do other things? I think that's a massive one that I'm, you know, particularly struggling with at the minute. Um, but I really like the five Ds. I think I'm going to write that down because yeah. that's really useful. Yeah. So that's Nick from Carol. Well, Caroline, lots of people, but Caroline Crow um, and the VDS talk about that quite a lot. Yeah. Do it, ditch it, delegate it, defer it. And I've added in duo it because I just think a problem shared is a problem halved and I used to find it so hard to ask for help so hard to ask for help um professionally and personally um but it has never failed me um it's never failed to make a difference um in my life and that person helping me so yeah don't have to do anything alone in this world I think at the minute obviously there are issues within the profession in terms of you know, recruitment, retention of vets, people, you know, either wanting to leave because they're not happy and, and things like that. What do you think there's anything that the profession itself can do that isn't that it isn't doing already to encourage those people to not just, you know, feel like they have to stay, but actually want to stay? Well, I think we've covered most of it in what we've kind of, well, in my opinion, some of the stuff mm. that I think important. I, mean, I don't have all the answers at all. I just, I suppose I just am a place where people can curate their conversations around it. But Again, it's, it's just, it's back to the human. We are humans first and then we are vets. You know, we are humans first and then we are vets. And we, 
spend too much time nourishing the vet side and not enough time thinking and nourishing the human side. So again, I just come back to thinking about serving that, serving that human before anything else. Um, and having that as valued as serving that vet. So it's very interesting. I've done a couple of, of, of surveys where for different kind of CPD companies and other people. And when we kind of said, oh, you know, how important do you think non-clinical skills are and personal development is? And it's, everyone says, oh yeah, really, really high. And I mean, you ask the question a different way. So how much of your time or um, budget do you put onto that stuff? It's like zero or minimal. So we know it's important, but our habits to nourish it don't seem to be congruent with that, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's some of the reasons why we set up like group career coaching in VSGD alongside the VDS and Emerge, because, you know, it's about having a, having a, a space to get that clarity on what you want. Yeah, I think it's really important. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. So and I think we just need to talk. We need to talk more um, and share our experiences more and destigmatize um you know, our feelings if we're not having a great time. And that's, that's okay. You're not, you haven't failed because you've had a bad day or you've had a bit of a blip or you've had a bad year even. Um, you know, I think, I think that's, that's super important. And, you know, to kind of minimise that divide as well between the establishment and our bosses and us, you know, we're all in it. We are all in it together. It doesn't matter whether you're a corporate, an independent, um, an industry, an academic, you know, we are all in it. We are all in it together. And, if the world needs something right now, it's empathetic, you know, scientific, problem solving, resourceful leaders. And that's vets in a nutshell. Yeah. The world needs us. And yeah, you're right. Like now more than ever, I feel like having that communication from, you know, groups of people like vets is so important. Um, mm. And I guess as well, 2020 and even now, that's just become so much more apparent. Yeah. So I think nourish the human and, and the rest will sort itself out because we're all searching for purpose. You know, we're all searching for that. And I think what we don't get taught is that we need to kind of check into our purpose more than once in a lifetime. You know, our six year old self is, is, has got a very different purpose to what you or I have now, Alexia, you know, mm. we've got to check into that more than once in a lifetime. And, and we need multiple purposes. We're saying, you know, you're asking me a question about challenges in the vet profession. This is not about the vet profession. This is the world over any profession. You could take out vet, we're not special. Every other profession has the same problems. And again, you know, we need more than one purpose. I work as a vet, but I also am a daughter, a sister, um, a horse enthusiast. You know, I'm lots of other things, you know. Um, I'm a good friend. I'm all these other identities. So that's really important. And it's really important to check in that your purpose and your values may change. And that's okay. So if we address those things, then the challenge of anything kind of dissipates. Um, but we're not special. Vets are no different to lawyers, dentists, doctors, teachers, army, insert any job. That's so true. And I think as well, it is just another label, isn't it? Whereas actually, like you said, we're just people who have a lot of different skills. And I guess that, that just is everybody, like everyone in every profession has you know, a unique set of skills that they can either not already have developed. Um, yeah, I think that's all right. That is a really good, really good message for the day, I think. So yeah, that's, thank you so much for uh, being part of my podcast. Pleasure. 
You've been listening to Migo in consultation with Dr. Ebony Escalona. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. Ebony's a really inspiring person to talk to and I always learn a lot during our chats. If you did enjoy listening, please keep an eye and an ear out for more in consultation with podcasts, which are now available online on our website and also on Spotify. To find out more about Ebony and the work she does, you can visit the VSGD website or simply search VSGD on Facebook for more information. You can also find out more information about Vet Report and more about the In Consultation with series at vetreport.net. Thanks so much again for listening.